Welcome to episode 52 of the Roger Snipe Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Yo, what's going on, peeps? Hope all is good. Thanks again for tuning in. For tuning in. So today we got a bit of a treat. A, a bit of a superstar. A bit of a hero to many, <laughs> including myself, Mr. John Gray. It's weird because I've never heard him refer to himself as a doctor, but in some places it says Dr. John Gray, but he just calls himself John Gray. So I actually forgot to ask him, are you Dr. John Gray or are you Mr. John Gray? Like, what's the deal? But um, it was a great, great chat with him. Um yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Because I learned about Dr. John Gray when I was a kid, like a child. And and to be interviewing him on a podcast, it was quite surreal. Not going to lie. So yeah, I think you guys are going to like this. I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing this podcast with you. So recently, I have been on a mission mission to get myself back in body fat shape. I mean, I've always been in reasonably good shape and I must admit I did pile on some pounds or some kilos depending what part of the world you're in. And um, I knew you know, my abs were still visible, but I was like, yeah, this is becoming a bit too much. My weight reached 106.9 is it 106? Yeah, 106.9 kilos. And uh, yeah, that to me was far too much. I had not even achieved that on an all-inclusive holiday. So I thought, you know what, <laughs> this needs to stop. So um, yeah, one morning it was like, you know, Rocky style out there, jogging, cycling. And I've just been doing that back to back. And now I'm down to 102 kilos. So I'm very very happy about that. I'm not really focusing too much on the weight itself. It's more a case of how I look when I uh, look in the mirror, how I'm feeling as well. I mean, I was always feeling okay anyway, but I think I possibly had some kind of inflammations in my body, which I wasn't fully aware of. And um, that, that probably uh, showed on some of the uh, tests which I'd taken. I'd, I'd taken like um, an age test and one of them was diabolical. I'm not even going to share it. <laughs> I'm not even going to share it. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed. But um, yeah, I'm feeling so much better now. So much better. And recently I got myself an electric bike, which I've been using um, all the time. And it's so amazing. I don't know if any of you have an electric bike, but if you don't, it's pretty incredible incredible with how much time you can save by just switching the power on. Um, it, it does feel like a little bit of a cheat, but when you're cycling up hills and you need to be places uh, within a certain time, it really, really does help. It just makes the cycle so much smoother. Anyway, one thing I'd like to mention is a, a product which I've been using for a little while now called Flexbeam. 
I'd spoken about it recently on my Instagram and my Facebook and Twitter on a device called Flexbeam and it is a targeted red light therapy device which is pretty amazing. I don't know if you've used red light therapy, people generally use it to heal their body for faster recovery and to boost energy levels. Um, this in itself is something which is quite revolutionary because your typical red light therapy panels are stuck to a wall and you have to sit next to it or stand next to it in order to get the treatment. But this particular one, you can wrap around your body, put it around your waist, around your leg, around your arm, around your neck, wherever you want, you know. And um, the typical prices of red light therapy panels are probably around $1,300. Um, it varies per brand, but a decent one is probably going to be around that price. And um, their targeted device is around, I think, $539. However, they have given me a, a special link, which will give you a discount. So rather than paying $539, with this link, you will get it for $349. For those in UK, <clears throat> you're looking at about 260 something pound, 268, I think, is the conversion, uh, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And this particular device, you can take it around with you on holidays when you're even on a bike cycling, shopping. Um, it's it's fantastic. So if you have any niggles, any kind of pains in any particular part of your body, you can just uh, attach this uh, strap on red light therapy device, uh, let's keep it PG, and heal that particular area. And talking about strap on, you can actually uh, strap it around your genitals and use that to increase your testosterone for you guys. Probably girls as well, not too sure. But yes, a lot of people use it to boost testosterone, which is the great benefit of red light therapy and near infrared. But yeah, just click the link in the show notes and take advantage before the price actually goes back up. I have no idea how long this uh, special price is going to be available for, so get it while it's cheap. Only 349 as opposed to 539 If you are stuck in the gym and you don't know what to do, then why not download my app? I am giving away loads of different tips and tricks and just special things which I do, which I have been doing for a number of years. All the information which I've accumulated, I have put in this app. So... If you need help on diet, uh, nutrition, fat loss tips, muscle building tips, if you want to understand about different training systems, what can possibly work for you, learn about biohacks or health optimization, then download my app. It is rogersnipes.app and join the thousands of people that have made some great progress so far. So today... Today's podcast is with Mr. John Gray. It, to be honest, it was such an honor. It felt like such an honor to have a conversation with the legendary 
John Gray. I mean, when I was a teen, I discovered his famous book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And this was very life-changing for me, as, <laughs> as I found girls quite confusing. <laughs> In fact, I still do. I don't think there's much change there. Actually, okay, a lot has changed. And, um, you know, but that was through life's experiences but i think this book in itself fast-tracked a lot of understandings and probably helped me avoid a lot of really stupid relationships although i did still get into some <laughs> but this um unraveled some misconceptions that helped me understand girls and as as human beings not just someone i'm trying to have sex with but truly to understand the differences and why men and women are so different. Now, Dr. John Gray has written over 20 books. His most recent book is called Beyond Mars and Venus, which is kind of the book which we're going to spend a lot of time going through. Now, this one is based on new relationship skills in our complex modern world. His Mars Venus book series has forever changed the way men and women view their relationships. Now John helps men and women better understand and respect their differences in both personal and professional relationships. His approach combines specific communication techniques with healthy nutritional choices that create the brain and body chemistry for lasting health, happiness, and romance. His many books, blogs, and free online workshops at marsvenus.com provide practical insights to improve relationships at all stages of life and love. An advocate of health and optimal brain function, he also provides natural solutions for overcoming depression, anxiety, and stress to support increased energy, libido, hormonal balance, and better sleep. He has appeared repeatedly on Oprah, as well as the Dr. Roz Show, Today, CBS, This Morning, Good Morning America, and others. He has been profiled in Time, Forbes, USA Today, and People. He was also the subject of a three-hour special hosted by Barbara Walters. John Gray lives in Northern California, where for 34 years he happily shared his life with his beautiful wife, Bonnie, until her passing in 2018. There they have three grown daughters and four grandchildren. He is an avid follower of his own health and relationship advice. Let's bring on Dr. John Gray. So, Mr. John Gray, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. Oh, it's amazing to be with you. You're, you're a legend, an absolute <laughs> legend. I think that you single-handedly are responsible for a lot of people having babies. That's for sure. <laughs> 
every man's dream. <laughs> exactly, right? Yes. <laughs> so your first book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women From Venus, what is it called? Men Are From Mars, is that what it's called? That's or right, it, Men Are yeah. From Mars, Women Are From Venus, yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, first published in, is it 92? Yes. I was a teenager then, man. How was you? How old was you when that book came out? When you 40, done that? 42, 42. You, you was 42? Yeah. I was a teenager and um, I think a couple of years when it was out, um, my, my stepmother had it and it was around the house and I was like, what is this all about? And uh, you know, as a teenager, you, you're trying to understand things about relationships and you know, the differences and I just, I just couldn't understand girls, you know? And um, I think, yeah, when I was 15, that was when I looked into this book and I was like, wow, incredible. And it really opened my eyes to understand a lot. And it's so weird because as a teenager, when you're around other teenagers, if you get in a relationship, all they care about is when you're going to have sex. That's all they say. Like, they see you with someone. Oh, have you had sex yet? Uh, no, we're, we're kind of getting to know each other. What do you mean? You haven't had sex yet? You must right. be gay. Like, well, what, you, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Um, yeah. So... I, have you thought about doing a book for teenagers or does your book, um, it, it, it is for teenagers as well? You know, I've heard thousands of people tell me the same thing you've told me, which is I was a teenager. My parents had this book and I read it <laughs> and it's, it, and it changed my life. It changed my life. And <clears throat> see, there's a place where you write a book. People have to buy the book to read it. Generally, teenagers don't buy books on relationships. Now, I could write a book for teenagers. And I mean, how many books can I actually write? There's 28 back here, you know, so maybe one day I will. Uh, but to my, you know, you prioritize thing. I think that if parents read my books, they can be better role models for our kids. And if they have that book sitting out, kids read what's sitting out. They look at it. And they, if you say you should read it, they don't want to look at it. So there, there's that <laughs> dynamic. Now, so true. Now I've written. You know, I, we we talked about what we talked about today as Men Are from Mars, and also the ideas in my. You know, that's 90, 1992. The world has changed. Men and women are still men and women, and we're different. But mm -hmm. something else is going on today. Something big problems going on with today, and the world is a different place. So that's why I wrote Beyond Mars and Venus. So see, Mars and Venus, as you kind of sense that there's a traditional role that men play, women do their traditional thing, and that's called masculine, this is called feminine. And, and you know, for thousands of years, if you wanted to survive in a culture, women were usually pregnant most of the time, and they needed a man to take care of them. So we invented this marriage thing, and you know, there was a partnership. Men do men's stuff, women do women's stuff. And it turns out that not only was it good from that point of view, and, and it was good from that point of view. We got here, didn't we? I mean, <laughs> these, who built those buildings, those freeways, those cars, all those things? You know, this is an amazing world we live in. Uh, it, at the same time, there's always problems. And today we have a lot of relationship problems. When, when you're hungry, you don't care about relationship problems. You care about getting food. When you're in danger, you don't care about relationship problems. So, you know, all these books that were written on relationship in those days, you you know, how to be a good person, you know, and also practically speaking, how to survive. And it survival in a culture works quite well when men are doing the stuff that women don't want to do. 
So when, you know, people always, they look at a short, they look at the worst of men instead of realizing that men are amazing, you know, when there were wars, you could say, well, men started the wars. But actually, whenever a man started a war, there's always a wife who said, you should beat that guy up. See, that's what they don't look at, you know, it's just kind of like, and, and look at guys who win wars, you get a lot of love for that. I mean, there, there was like, there's, there's both, there's always both sides of it. But even from one point of view, men are the guys who go into battle, they, they go into battle, protect their family. They go into battle, protect their kids. They go into the jungle to get food for their family and they're in danger and they do dirty, difficult, dangerous stuff. We're amazing. It's literally like a long time ago, we, we all got together with God and said, okay, now women are more special and wonderful. So women, we're going to do whatever you want. So what jobs would you like? Would you like to be the guy that goes up and fixes the roof and goes out into the cold and the danger and goes out and does this? Or would you rather stay at home with the kids and cook and clean the house? Because you can't do everything, right? So mm -hmm. you got to divide up the jobs. Do we all want to take turns emptying the trash? Or would you like me to empty the trash? You know, If there's a fight with a neighbor, would you like to take turns fighting with the neighbor? Mm -hmm. uh, if there's a battle, you want to go this time and next time I'll stay with the kids and you go... No, you know, we're like, all right, let's divide up the roles and we go that way. And then something happened is evolutionary shift took place. Now it was slow and happening, but it, it hits its accelerated pace in the 60s. So in the 60s, I was a hippie, all right? Now I was sexually active, love sex and everything, free love. I had grew long hair, oh, yeah. demonstrated, demonstrated for peace, for Vietnam. This is not into war, so I'm not going to go off and be a soldier like traditional men being proud to do it, and that's my duty to do. And I, I said, no, I don't want to fight. I'm going to have love, peace, joy. I got fashionable. I had very hippie clothes, you know, bell-bottom pants, boots, belt, cool shirts, beads. I became a girl, okay? <laughs> and that became great. That was ecstatic. It was like sex just putting on my outfit. Why? Because... I have the genes that, you know, we carry our parents with us and all the generations back, okay? Why do my eyes look like my parents, my nose, my chin, everything? Well, so do we feel emotionally as well. We carry all that conditioning inside of our brain and our bodies. And that conditioning said, I can only be masculine. And suddenly now I could be what I'm calling feminine, okay? And now I could be more peace, love, enjoyment, free sex. You don't have to get married to have sex. You don't have to make a commitment to have sex. You have sex with whoever you want. And the girls are all, yeah, we're free. We're like men. We want to go after sex. <clears throat> so that was a crazy time. But what happened is why was it so exciting for everybody? And what primarily men were doing was going to their female side because we weren't allowed before in culture to go to our female side. Mm. And that produced female hormones. And when you've got male hormones and female hormones at the same time, that's what an orgasm is. That's what an orgasm is in your body. It's male hormones, testosterone reaching a peak level and estrogen, a female hormone, reaching its peak level at the same time. And that's orgasm. So see, like right now, I'm talking to you at 69 years old, orgasmic, not having an orgasm, but I have unlimited energy. I just finished four hours of talking before this and I'll go on into another six hours. I can go unlimited wow. because I'm orgasmic because I have both male and female energy in me. But as a teenager, I grew up in this Texas, Houston, Texas, very cowboy. My dad's in the oil business. And now I can go over to my female side. I was now inviting another part of my soul into my life. 
you see spiritually and i'm a very spiritual guy the soul the spiritual part of us is both masculine and feminine but the body if you're a man you require to be happy you need to have 10 times more testosterone than a woman that's the male hormone if you want to be alpha man you need 30 times more testosterone right now my testosterone doubled just talking to you oh right okay uh, okay yeah so yeah. would that have happened to me as well <laughs> well right now it's happening okay. you're feeling good aren't you oh yeah I'm as, feeling I validate, great. as i validate things in your thinking process your testosterone will go up if i was to tell you you should cry more and be more sensitive and you need to be more attentive to your wife all the time you should never take cave time uh you you would basically your testosterone would go down 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 See, some of the basic ideas of men are from Mars basically knocked men's testosterone levels up because it gave men permission to do what we need to do to produce testosterone. We need in relationships, one of the big key things, and that's what I did in that book. I took 12, just 12 of the biggest mistakes men and women make from not understanding each other. And one of them, I mean, it takes... 12 hours to read the book. So here, here, I'll give one right now, and then we're gonna to go to beyond Mars and Venus. But yeah. one is, as a man, you need testosterone. And you, by the way, need more than me, because you have more muscle mass. Mm. You know, I have a friend, many years ago I saw this, and he's a trainer for, for the New Zealand Army, okay? So <laughs> these guys are all big, SEALs, Navy SEALs, those kind of guys. And he's a trainer for them, that you remind me of, and that's why I'm, bring, I'm seeing that. He had so much muscle mass. Now, I'm not saying about you. I'm saying about him because he came to me as a, as a client. He said, John, I, I, meet a, I, I get a girlfriend. After a few weeks, I can't get an erection. And I said, well, you should check your testosterone because if, you if your testosterone is low, you don't get an erection. And he said, yeah, but I can get an erection every time I have a new girl, but not with my girlfriend. I can go online and I can get an erection, but not with my girlfriend. What's that about? I said, that's pure masculinity with low testosterone. What happens is that when you care about somebody and you're a man, okay, you know someone, you care about her, you're in a relationship with her, are you married to her? It's statistically, your testosterone automatically goes down. Oh, and really? Yes, the research shows it. If you okay. stay single, you'll have higher testosterone. If right. you have many women, you'll have higher testosterone. If you're in a polygamous relationship where you have many women, your testosterone is higher. This is just biology. This is studies. This is proven. But mine's higher than those. I'm completely into monogamy, but I have great sex. See, that's the difference. I know how to have great sex. Every week, great sex. And now in my older age, I have it every day because I've learned a master. I have a PhD in sex, actually. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. You have to learn. You know, I've written books on this, but why I can have sex every day is because there's no recovery period for me because I've learned to have orgasms without ejaculating. Right. You see, when a man ejaculates, what happens, he's having his orgasm, his estrogen, which gives you pleasure and love and good feelings, and testosterone gives you power and, and, and strength and persistence. And so you got both, and, so you got, and detachment as well. So you got feeling and detachment at the same time. Now it's rising, rising, and then your estrogen goes too high. And then you ejaculate and your testosterone goes down. So measurable, if you have an orgasm, ejaculation, your testosterone goes down to 50%. From one ejaculation? Yes. 
when ejaculation is down. And it takes six days to come back to alpha state. It will double on the seventh day. So see, it's like men don't know this. They did, they did, well, let me go back a step back and I'll come into my friend. So he had all this, he's, he couldn't get his erection up. So I said, basically, see, when you're doing it with a woman you don't know, there's no estrogen. See, estrogen lowers testosterone. Two forces, they balance, counterbalance each other. If my estrogen goes up, testosterone tends to go down. If my testosterone goes up, estrogen tends to go up. If my testosterone goes up, estrogen tends to go down. The art of life is to make both at the same time. Okay, that's what we have to learn how to do. Great sex will make both at the same time. Right now, I'm making both at the same time because I'm, I'm providing a service. Okay, I'm providing a service, making a difference, making a difference is testosterone and i'm having fun i enjoy this i can do this all day long what a great thing to know stuff that other people don't know and be able to share it amazing it's like at least for me it's so much fun i change lives every day and you know i just finished doing three hours of whip my women only class fantastic changed my life i can love my husband it was all my fault i realized it now i want to get involved again one after another and what a satisfaction for me you know, so I made a difference and I get to enjoy doing what I do. So that's, that took years to develop. You know, that's if you live a good life, you finally get to that place. A lot of people don't because they didn't have education. Mm -hmm. So I'm committed to providing the education. So my, my friend, he learned with a stranger <clears throat> or with pornography <clears throat> or with a new girlfriend, it's newness stimulates high levels of dopamine that raises his testosterone temporarily up. And then he ejaculates, it will go even further down than before. With my girlfriend, because I just have to interact with her, my estrogen goes up. And because my testosterone's so low, it goes so low, I can't even get an erection. Wow. What was the solution for him? I, well, for him, I just said, hey, how often do you train every day? <laughs> Stop training so much. Because training builds muscles, but too much training depletes testosterone. Now, I know you work out. And the best thing you know as a guy works out is that if you work hard, you have to rest hard. You have to have recovery period. Everybody who wants to build muscles must have recovery period. Very important. So it's absolutely, and it builds your testosterone up. He was not taking recovery period. He was working, he was jogging every day. He was, he was addicted to exercise because high exercise will produce endorphins and endorphins are addictive. So that was, some people say, oh, I have to get out there and run five miles. I said, okay, how much sex are you having? <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather do five miles of sex than that, you know? <laughs> so anyway, but, but, but so, so what happened is he, he cut back his training schedule. He took a day off every other day. He did his exercise and his testosterone came back. Mm. So, and that, and he practiced not masturbating. In the beginning, no masturbation at all and only sex once a week. Sex once a week and no masturbation during the week will knock your testosterone up every week. It gets better and better until you get to healthy testosterone levels. Now, the, the research doesn't show that. That's my plan. I've seen this to work. However, what does the research say? Because that's just my opinion and what my experience is. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. The research, repeated research from Japan says that when a man has sex on Saturday, his testosterone will go 50% lower the next day it will slowly recover up to 60% of, uh, uh, he'll recover a little bit more over the week.
But if he doesn't ejaculate for six days, on the seventh day, his testosterone level will double. <laughs> it's <That's>, like interest. <laughs> interest in the bank. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Your money, you're making money. Exactly. I like what you just said. That's a really good example. You let it build, you compound it by not ejaculating every, not masturbating. I mean, maybe yeah. to get your power is don't masturbate. But you're not a bad person from it. You're just coming from your reactive brain. You see, we all have this conditioned brain that we picked up from our parents. They picked it up from their parents. That's how we learn everything. Monkey see, monkey do. Mm. The DNA in our brain is almost all monkey DNA. The back part of the brain, the fight or flight area in the back, and it's the instinctive area of the brain. You have no control over that, generally speaking. That, that's your sex drive, by the way. Oh. You, you can't just say erection go up. You have to think something or interact something or see something, and then it happens. This is instinct. It just does its thing. It's million years of evolution. You don't mess with that. What you do is support that. And now you don't let it control you. You know, when I say men have a sex drive to make a baby every day, uh, it's not like men are not monogamous. Monkeys are not monogamous. I'm not a monkey. If I was just that part of the brain, I'd be polygamous. <laughs> But what happens, I got this emotional part of my brain, which is called the limbic system, and that's monkey. It wants love. So I've got instinct says have sex. I got in limbic system says have love with sex, or I love sex. That's how men are more in touch with that. <laughs> I love sex. Because yeah. in the instinct, when, when snakes have sex, they're not experiencing ecstasy, as far as I know. They don't have the love. They're cold-blooded. But then suddenly you get to the, mon the monkey brain wants love, jealousy, affection, appreciation, hate, anger, all that stuff is monkey brain. But then you got this little part of the brain up here, front part of the brain, it's called prefrontal cortex. Only there do you have DNA that's unique and different from monkeys. We'll call that human DNA, mm -hmm. just up here. And as soon as you ejaculate, <laughs> it's gone. Blood flow <laughs> stops. The monkeys again. The monkeys. And if you get angry and emotional, this is what I want every man watching to know. Your well-being and your power and your charisma and your stamina, whether it be in the bedroom, whether it be in life, that energy. Of, you know, so many of us today, we procrastinate, we waste time, we don't put the effort forth, we don't have willpower, we can't follow through. All of that keeps us from being all that we can be. And that all is directly linked to tes testosterone. If right. you have low testosterone, your estrogen levels are high. So you'd rather just watch football. You'd rather just do it in at porn. Why bother, you know, doing <laughs> things to my girlfriend to get laid? I'll just do what's easy. We become passive. And even when we get in a monogamous relationship, our testosterone takes a dive because uh, our estrogen increased. You see, you care about mm. somebody. And yeah. they did the study on that. They took a, a group of single men who then shifted into monogamy. As soon as they're in monogamy, their testosterone levels drop. That means their motivation is lower, okay? Mm. Now, I wrote about that in my book, Mars Venus on a Date, and I knew nothing then about the hormones. I teach hormones now, but I knew nothing about it. I said there's, there's five stages of dating. The first one is attraction. Your testosterone goes up. Second stage is you're starting to question. That's doubting, uncertainty. What happens in uncertainty is your estrogen levels will start to rise if you're a man because you're wondering, do I really want to do this? And I'm not sure I want to do it. So that's a natural thing. Like if you come to my house, you'd say, wow, this is a cool house. But if you're actually going to buy it, you're going to start looking at what's wrong with it. So that we all go through that. What's wrong with this person? <laughs> right, so right. Just don't believe yourself at those times. So you, because you're going to, your brain goes into automatic bias. It says, oh, because of this and this and this, she's the wrong person. 
what you need to do is I'm into my doubting stage. Now I need to back off and do something to knock my testosterone back up and then go have sex and then question myself, do I want to be with her? <laughs> See, having sex again and again is what reminds you that you want to be with her. But at a certain I just point, ask you, I want to ask you like this, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, when you have sex, then your, your, your um, testosterone drops down by, I don't know, 50%, depending what day of the week. I'm not too sure. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Any, <laughs> Masturbation always goes down. Right. Okay. So or sex, it goes down. Or sex. What, what I meant what? to say is ejaculation. Your actual ejaculation. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what about if you're having like a, a proper, you know, sex marathon and it's just ejaculation, ejaculation, and you're literally killing yourself. Like what's yes, going on there? Are. Oh, yeah. Damn. Brain, you become brain dead next day. Wow. Uh, that's why the guys sit back and they watch TV and they don't want to do anything. And they're like, wow. it all goes down. And, and what you have to realize, if you do have those marathons, you need to make sure you don't ejaculate for seven days or six seven. days. Let yourself rebuild. You need recovery. What about, also, you need more zinc. You need more zinc. That's what I was going to say. Like, what about nutrition during that time? Like, what <laughs> replenishment? What do you need to do? What's important at that stage for recovery? Yeah, partic particularly zinc. But look, it sounds to me like you like marathon sex. You should learn what I teach, <laughs> which is how to have orgasms while ejaculating. I don't was, ejaculate. Yeah, yeah. I was speaking and, to someone recently about that. But please, sorry, continue. I mean, I've done marathon sex because I'm, I'm talking to a bunch of guys and they're young guys. I can't say this to old guys. They get mad at me. But, you know, just for fun, one time I said, how long can I do this? Ten hours. Okay. Now, ten hours, you go maybe five minutes, ten minutes in one position, shift to another position, shift to another position, throw her around, let her throw you around, do all this fun stuff. Ten hours. I just said, how long can I do it? And... I don't need to do that anymore. But, you know, I, yeah. I, it's depending on my schedule, what I feel like doing or my partner feels like doing. But that's marathon sex. It's not for everybody. Not everybody's a marathon runner. To have lasting love for a lifetime, you don't have to have that. Mm. I just had to have a PhD in that. That's all. So, you know, that's been an interest. You know, some people are good at certain things, but it doesn't mean something's wrong with them. You can have a great marriage and not do marathon sex. Mm -hmm. So I have a class on my website which teaches four different kinds of sex, okay? Basically, in marathon, sex is for some people. Other people, it's, you know, healthy home-cooked sex. Another is romantic sex. Another is quickie sex. You know, they're all part of your life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. But you have to know, after you have ejaculated, if you're a man, it's natural for you to go through a withdrawal period. And what that is, is your body has to rebuild your testosterone. And it's hard to rebuild testosterone in the presence of somebody you love or care about other than yourself. Okay, just take note of that. That's why if you have a wife, your testosterone goes down when you're around her. You go back out to work, it comes back up. I remember being a young guy and didn't know how I, I the way I practice sex keeps my testosterone high, but when I didn't always know that. And so I would be out in the world and, and working hard and, and going, yeah, I can't wait to have sex when I get home. As soon as I walk into the door, I'd feel tired. And uh, that's because I'm in my home where there's estrogen. <laughs> and that I love my wife. It just knocks your testosterone down unless you've got really solid testosterone. And, and so the, the cave time, I was telling you why one idea a minute from Mars, one of 12 significant ideas is when men go to their cave, we need to take that time. 
And today women say, oh, you should be more attentive to me. You're ignoring me. You hurt my feelings. Why aren't you spending time with me? You didn't call me. You're not giving me, you're not talking to me. You're not sharing with me what happened, what went wrong. I'd explain, first of all, when you were date, you've changed. You're not the same guy you were dating. Yeah, when he's dating you, he lives in his house all by himself or his apartment. He's lonely. All, and now when he sees you, he can't wait to get in you. And then he's in you, can't wait to get away. It's a natural thing. He wants to get in, he wants to get out. That's what sex is, in and out, in and out, in and out. And if he ejaculates, he's out for a while. And yet he'll feel guilty. Today's men feel guilty taking time because she feels, I feel so hurt. You didn't call me back. I feel so hurt. You're not noticing me. I'm so hurt. You know, where's the affection and warmth? I can't have affection and warmth for you if I'm rebuilding my testosterone. Mm. That's men. And that's how men used to be. You see, we were busy out in the jungle all day. You know, it would, and women appreciated us for ignoring them and doing what we have to do. Mm. Uh, now we're not out in the jungle. You know, part of the success of my marriage, now I have to mention that when I talk about my relationship, my, my wife passed two years ago and I've been going through a major grieving process. I just put that to the side while I'm teaching this class. But the reality is as I've healed my heart from that attachment, she's still in my heart all the time. But at the same time, I've moved on. I've got a girlfriend. I'm doing the whole thing. I'm in love and, and I'm healed in many ways. I still have more feeling than ever before because of the great healing I've gone through 34 years of your life. And she's always with me, but it doesn't mean I can't have another partner and can't grow in love. You can love many times, many people, but it doesn't mean I'm not loving her just because I'm loving someone else. And it was really good because the person I'm loving also lost somebody in their life. So they understand you can still love somebody, have a new relationship and still love the people in your past. Okay. So mm. anyway, I just need to say that because I refer sometimes in the past tense to my wife. Right. Bonnie, right. He's taught me all these things. So I, you know, I would, we've, let me dots of few eyes that we've covered. So in the sixties, I went over to my female side, felt really good. Women went to their male side. So in the sixties, they're all like, we're going to change the world. We're going to become CEOs of businesses. We're going to get our MBAs. You know, they went to their male side and they're totally cool with that. They're like, just like I'm all ecstatic being free love hippie guy. They're all over there being free. And, and some women were a free love in terms of sex, which meant they were saying, good girls don't now good girls do. Okay. So they were very liberal around sex that comes and goes, you know, but the reality is women went to their male side. It felt really good to be on their male side. Men went to their female side. It was really good because we've only been stuck on one side. The problem is as soon as I went to my female side, I got stuck over there. When women go to their male side, they get stuck over there. It's like going out of balance, you fall and you, now you're stuck on the other side. You got to get back up and go back to where you came from. And now you go back and forth until you learn how to be on both sides at the same time. And today wow. what we have is this nonsense of gender neutrality, nonsense of gender neutrality. Uh, and it's just simply, you can be anything you want. No, if you've got a penis, you're a man and you need to have 30 times more, 10 times, 20 times more testosterone than a woman, average woman doesn't matter. Now, there are some exceptions, which do, you know, you're born with a penis and a vagina, then you do need uh, equal amounts of both. But if you don't have a penis and a vagina, then if you're a man, you require for well-being, for happiness and fulfillment. Otherwise, you're going to be so unhappy, not because the world doesn't accept you, because you're just unhappy. Mm -hmm. You're petty, you're picky, you're whiny, you're complaining, you're overworked, you're, everything's negative in your life, and you created it, and you don't know you did it, because you're a guy and you're too far on your female side making estrogen 
And if you're a woman, you're a woman and you're making too much testosterone. So your mind is only filled with complaints about everybody else rather than taking responsibility for the, your life and that you're the generator of all experiences in your life. You can't get there when your hormones are out of balance. Now, I got scientific evidence to show this. You know, when women have, for example, low estrogen, their stress levels go up, cortisol. Cortisol inhibits brain function, okay? That's what cortisol does. It inhibits blood flow, the front part of the brain, puts you into the instinctive brain where you have no control at all. You just do what monkeys did, okay? Mm -hmm. That's it. And you see, you know, we just saw the debate between these two presidential candidates. It was an embarrassment to every American. It was two monkeys up there, two eight-year-olds arguing. Well, you're right. No, you did this. You did that. You did that. Shut up. Uh, stupid. You're no good. You're a clown. You're an asshole. Your yeah. child's no good. This, this is not dignified behavior. This is not human behavior. And, and a lot of people like that. They tell power. No, they're just, they have dysfunctional parents. They've never seen a loving father who doesn't get upset about anything. That's men. This is masculinity. What you have to know is when you get upset, you're having a surge of estrogen. Your power as a man, your attractiveness as a man. When men's testosterone levels double, women are turned on to you. That's also research shows that. Is also, it some sort of pheromone goes, or whatever? Is it, it's is putting it? the pheromones out. When a man's testosterone goes up, he puts out more pheromones, which says, I'm powerful. If a woman senses power in a man, she's turned on to it. You can wear sandals and shorts and not comb your hair or whatever. She wants to have sex with you. Why? Because you have power to protect her. That's the primitive brain. If she's living in her primitive brain, and that's true. Women who have low self-esteem, who have no activity in the front part of their brain, they're turned on to dangerous men. All you have to do is you know, put a bunch of, make yourself look very dangerous. <laughs> And a woman gets turned on <laughs> or put on a uniform. That's another form of power. Okay. <laughs> women love uniforms. Okay. So anytime, whether it's good or bad power in men, the more low self-esteem a woman has, the more sexually turned it on she is to you. As opposed to a woman with healthy self-esteem doesn't get turned on to you until you get to know her. Mm. See, Women, when they're healthy, they don't want to have sex with you right away. If they do, they're low self-esteem. It's not going to last. And you're going to lose interest in her anyway, because she's not having a real feminine orgasm. She's going to, if she has an orgasm, it's going to be a male orgasm, which means she's trying to please you. Mm. Okay. It's a female orgasm is where she doesn't do anything except, I mean, she interacts with you and so forth, but she gives up her attachment to her orgasm. She doesn't try to have an orgasm. You give it to her. And she, anytime a woman tries to have an orgasm, it will cause you to ejaculate. Because she oh, just really? she took off. Yeah, that's why men have premature ejaculation. One reason men have premature ejaculation is because she starts to see her excitement growing. She wants to grab it. She says, more, more, harder, harder, whatever. And then he ejaculates. It's, it's wow. Okay. It's like she needs to just surrender, okay, and let your energy flow into her. Pure feminine. That's where she has to go, is pure femininity, which is being receptive as opposed to doing it herself. And men, of course, we're losing our power by going online, doing porn, ejaculating, knocking our testosterone so low that now we're <laughs> addicted to, we're addicted to the ejaculation because the ejaculation also produces cocaine levels of dopamine and estrogen surges though. So the estrogen surges to push down your testosterone, but the dopamine is a hit of cocaine. So now you're addicted to 
the online porn. You're addicted to ejaculation. You know, I, yeah. I tell men all the time that I'm teaching my class. I don't have any desire to ejaculate. Ejaculation just means I'm going to lose my power. <laughs> Learning how to have orgasms without blue balls, okay? And not if you, often guy gets excited, and then he doesn't have an ejaculation. He has blue balls. So the thing is, how long can you go without having? I mean, ten hours of fucking without getting blue balls afterwards. That's a miracle. I'll tell you. You got to you got to train for that. Yeah. You know, you have to actually do exercises to strengthen your core. You've got to strengthen your your leg muscles a lot. You know who had the <laughs> right, okay. the the, uh, the the one of the best techniques for lasting longer in sex for men is uh, in ballet pleiades. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing it pleiades. And Baryshnikov was known. This is how I got a lot of his ideas was understanding the sex life of Baryshnikov. Everybody thought because he was this ballet guy, he was gay. No, the guy, the guy was servicing all the women, oh. all the women, all the way. He could do them all in one day. I mean, the guy was Superman uh, because right. he, he he has the this muscles in your in your butt and in your legs so that when you thrust. Basically, you can keep that area tight without constricting your anus. Okay, so that's mm. the key to that. The anus has to be uh, relaxed at the same time. You're really pump. You're 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 pumping her through your whole legs. See, so you see if you stand and you can do pelvic movements. Mm. And you do pelvic movements using engaging your butt muscles mm. and your leg muscles without contracting your anus, because mm. the energy has to flow down and back up in your body. And if you constrict your anus, every thrust, many men, they thrust, they constrict their anus. And that's the monkey. The monkey has to do that in order to create enough tension to ejaculate. Because in the instinctive brain, ejaculation is the goal. Okay, so the mm. body knows how to ejaculate and it's automatic. It's there, it's automatic. So what you have to do is train it from this part of the brain to allow the energy to flow down to arousal, but it goes up because you're not you're, you're not constricting the anus and you're doing the sex because you love her. Mm, yeah. Love brings energy up. So, you know, you have Taoist techniques that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm master of Taoism. I've trained in China for 12 years. 1979, I was one of the first people to teach Tantra in America. I taught seminars on, that's my PhD in sexology at that time. And then I taught sex, how to have sex, but then I realized that just having sex, that's these old fashioned techniques allow you to have amazing sex, performance sex, but they're not focused on love. And you know, it, sex won't last in our today. Cause see, once you get civilized in a world, a modern world where you can do things for yourself, survival and security are no longer our primary needs. Now emotions become our primary needs, emotional happiness, emotional fulfillment, love, freedom, achievement, accomplishment, actualization of your true abilities. This is uh, uh, Maslow in 1940 talked about that. That just like if you're poor, you just need money. Uh, and that's what you need, because you need food, you need heat, warmth, protection. But when you can handle those things yourself, the dynamic of a relationship changes to what you primarily need is a kind of emotional support. And none of our conditioning is designed to give us emotional support. It's only designed to get survival and security based upon communication skills of a monkey who doesn't know how to talk. So if you step on my feet, I have to tell you that hurts. I just make noises and the monkey just gets louder and louder and louder. And all those monkey techniques have the opposite effect of if you actually in his, this part of the brain, 
you talk more softly and you more become more gentle and people listen more if you want someone to listen to you as opposed to yelling and screaming, particularly negative emotions. So the takeaway for every guy listening is emotions are estrogen. And the only time you have negative emotions, anger, fear, defensiveness, arguing, anytime you have negative emotions, your testosterone's going down and your estrogen's going up and you will get addicted to that. That's an addiction. Grieving, complaining, whining, arguing, all those things produce high levels of dopamine. And if you put somebody in MRI who having intense emotions, you know, what, you know what lights up in the brain? Even if it's grieving the loss of a child. Right. Cocaine, same level of cocaine is being stimulated in your brain. We become addicted to negative thoughts that generate negative emotions. What you have to do as men is what Buddha taught. Not that he's not the only person who taught it. He said, you need to forget all your problems. That's called meditation. You need to empty your mind. You need to let it go. You need to forget it. You need to minimize it. It's no big deal. It's not important. It's not significant. Don't worry about it. Now, see, that's what we say to women all the time, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Always. That's because that's what we need to say to ourselves, mm -hmm. not them. He didn't have women following Buddhism. <laughs> you go to India, you ask women if they meditate, they don't meditate, it's too hard, too hard, because it goes against the flow of their brain. For women, you see, when you're stressed, men, your estrogen's going higher. When a woman's stressed, her testosterone's going higher. The worst thing she should do is forget it. You need to get her to remember it and talk about it without getting upset with her, and she'll forget it then. She'll let it go. She'll remember it actually, but then suddenly she'll remember all the good stuff about you, which makes that not important. So the power you have as a man, you lose it as soon as you ejaculate, you lose it as soon as you, as soon as you get angry. And if you're angry, that's your monkey taking over. What's gonna happen is your estrogen is going up. If you talk at that time, it goes higher. If a woman has estrogen, she, if she has, she's in stress, if she talks, her estrogen will go higher too, but mm. then her stress level will go down and then she'll be able to remember what an amazing guy you are. But you want to do is tell her, hey, you're wrong. I do all these good things for you. You can't tell her that. She has to remember that on her own and she can if you don't tell her. It's like, turn it around. A woman says to you, you know, you should do this and I'm going to remind you to do it. And you should... <laughs> And she's pointing out what you should do. And then you're going to forget it. If she doesn't push you to do it, you'll remember to do it. We, our way of coping with stressful messages is to minimize it and forget it. And that's how it should be because that's how you rebuild your testosterone. So take your cave time. But when you do it, do it mindfully saying, I'm going to temporarily forget whatever bothered me. I'm not going to fret about it. I'm just going to ignore it and go do something to build my muscles. Go do something to increase my <laughs> testosterone. Meditate is how I do it. Meditation is the most powerful way to rebuild your testosterone, men, because it's not fun in the beginning. It's total takes discipline. You don't want to do it. Anytime you do something you don't want to do, you build testosterone. That's what power is, men. Oh, really? So I, absolutely. Okay. So here I am, you know, for me, I went, I went for what, during the COVID thing, it was like uh, several months where I couldn't go into the gym and lift heavy weights. First of all, in the gym, you don't lift light weights, you push heavy weights, okay? You, you don't just do easy, you do heavy. 
but my muscles went down for several months. So I went back. I couldn't do the heavy weights I was doing before. I have a trainer. And, 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 you know, basically he very quickly got me up to the level of what I was before, but it hurt like hell. It hurt like hell. Okay. So uh, sore afterwards. Okay. So th that's masculinity is do things, choose to do things that hurt like hell without whining and complaining. Mm. That means you get up and do your job. That's what, they, that's what the army taught people, you know, to get in the army. Although I didn't need to be in the army. I think the best army is having a job and getting married uh, and learning. You know, in the army, you stand at attention and the sergeant is, provokes you into getting mad at him. He says purposely, he wants to put you down, upset you, trigger you to get upset. And you got to stand there and say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I've sir. I wondered about that. Like, I'm like, how do you put up with that shit? Seriously. I, I... That's right. Well, basically, you're, that's the training. You're a young guy. You want to teach them not to be these wimpy, emotional guys. Because why do you need to do that? You need to do that because if you're in a battle and you have a buddy next to you who just has his leg blown off, you're out of control. You're just going to run and try to kill somebody and forget all the things you've learned up here. Mm -hmm. So you've got to maintain a sense of order and hierarchy of if I'm in my emotional place of fear, I need to rely on somebody to tell me what to do because I can't figure it out. See, so, and so you can't let emotions control you. So you, you basically, you even start out saying, you know, most of you never going to make it through this. You're all a bunch of pussies and you're wimps and you got to do exactly what I say. And if you don't what I say, you're back out, you're back out, you know, and most people there are motivated because, you know, there's a lot of incentives to, to being in the military because you get supposedly free education and healthcare and certain dignity and you want to be real men you're going to go through this training you don't want to be a real man you know we're going to kick you out of here most of you you can't make it anyway they do whatever they can to provoke you and you have to just suck it up you suck it up you, you can have all these evil thoughts about them or whatever but you can't speak it and then you learn to build emotional abs you suck it up now we got all these People in the university, poor men, you know, they can't talk about their feelings. They should talk about their feelings. No. Now there's a place to talk about your feelings. It, you know, like my wife died. That's a big thing. That's a real issue. 40 years of bonding. I'm totally bonded to her. Yeah. What that's going to do is bring up a lot of ripping the attachment. Is, is She's no longer there. So, yeah. I have to go through an emotional trauma, which evokes my childhood. Because see, every male from the age of two to 13 average has the estrogen levels of the little girl. So he can be traumatized in the same way that little girls can and women can their whole lives. Because see, estrogen makes you vulnerable to being affected by people, taking it personally. Once you're at 13, you should be taught to screw that person forget it who cares what they say no big deal so what if he shot you the bird you're going to shot the bird back so what if this this president is is saying all this monkey stuff to you i'm not going to be a monkey back i'm not going to stoop to your level i'm not going to just i'm just not going to react back monkey see monkey do see i can i can be an asshole because he was an asshole but i'm an asshole because you're an asshole that's all childlike thinking so you can't think anything beyond that because you're in fight or flight. When you're in fight or flight, feeling threatened as a man is biological. Your estrogen goes up. All bad behavior in men is estrogen, feminine side. If you have a strong male side and bring up your feminine side, you're having sex. You're a great father. 
you know, you want to keep your testosterone up and bring your estrogen up, and then you can be more heartfelt and more loving, more connected, more generous, more selfless, more kind, more ha and happy. Mm -hmm. but, but pure masculinity is sacrifice. I'll do whatever it takes to get this job done and not complain about it. So that's yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, how does a guy like balance all of it where he wants to be masculine, but then, you know, wants to be in touch with the, I guess, the female side, like you it's mentioned propaganda. about. It's propaganda. <laughs> As a man, you don't have to do anything to get to your female side. We're already so much on our female side. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. The, the cultural pressure of men are wrong if they're masculine. Because we associate masculinity with violence. No, violence is men on their female side. Do you get that? <laughs> you can't be violent. This is aggression. This is studies showing aggression is high estrogen in men. Mm -hmm. Aggression is high testosterone in women. Uh, they're making a lot of testosterone. And yeah. their estrogen is low. And usually when women are aggressive, there's no emotion at all. Okay. If they actually, they're like cold as ice, you know, I'm going to poison him. <laughs> they, they don't beat you up. They poison you. <laughs> they hire somebody to do it for them. Whereas men just lose control and do it. That's, that's really interesting. It's, it's, mind, it's mind blowing. Everybody thinks testosterone is bad. Just like in the world today, men are bad. Men are heroes. Mm. Men are amazing. And there's a, always a few bad apples, just like the demonstrators in America, you know, millions of demonstrators and suddenly like they're all violent. No, they're not all violent. There's actually groups that get in there and professionals and they're hired by people to create all that in order to create more government control. We want to show chaos in the world. So we need more government control. Every government wants more control and the American government, we always wear the white hat. And we, we never control too much because it's the land of freedom. So we want to make sure you ask for us to control you. We ask for you. You see, <laughs> what is this? Mandatory vaccinations? Are you kidding? Suddenly already mandatory. Every person in the world has to take their vaccinations and be tra tracked all the time. Are you getting them updated? This is mass control of the population. And of course, if you, if you don't do it, you don't care about other people. Boy, that's a really big one. See, I'm, I'm in the camp. I, I, I'm a healthy person. I don't get sick. I, I could be around COVID all the world. I'm not going to die or get sick. Why would that happen? Even though I'm in my close to my seventies, you know, I have no concern about it at all. If you're Amazing. concerned, put on, if you're concerned, put on a mask. Why does my not wearing a mask affect you? If you're wearing a mask, if masks actually work, actually they don't. So many non people who are, who are now censored off of Facebook, censored off of YouTube, all these doctors and scientists are pointing out that if you can breathe air, you can, viruses are so tiny, they go with the air as go through the mask. The mask is like a big chain link fence and a, and a virus is like a little mosquito flying through. Of course yeah. it's going to go through. This is all nonsense, but this is all, all, let's see how far we can get people to go with this whole thing. Let's guilt and shame people. Let's get like Hitler did, which is let's get everybody to tell on everybody. We don't even have to police you. We're going to get people to police you with guilt and shame. Oh, I walked down the street with no mask on. People go, they run away from me. I said, hey, if you've got a mask on, why are you afraid if masks work? What's the big deal? <laughs> There's no logic. You get people doing things that have no logic at all. Okay, this is like, and then you advertise how many people die. 800,000 people die every year in America from a heart attack. 
you're not advertising that everybody getting a heart attack is taking high blood pressure medicine and you don't need to. Guess what? You can meditate and do aerobic exercise and weightlifting if you're a man and your blood pressure will normalize. The only people that die from the SARS virus, there's no such thing as COVID. It's just a name. It's the SARS virus, mm -hmm. which we've gone through many, many times. We just didn't advertise the effects of it. <laughs> the shutdown is craziness. And yet everybody's like, oh, we're such good people. We're going to follow the rules and so forth. And, and, and I respect that. I respect the good in people. And, and so I do, you know, sometimes where if I, well, you can't go in any, go into a store without a mask. So I have a mask, but I bought this very cool mask uh, in London. You can get it online. It came all the way from England. Just go oh, for awesome. breath, breathable mask. <laughs> so I'm a mask. <laughs> it's transparent. And it's breathable. I, I just somewhere. I, give me your virus. I don't care about your virus. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's brilliant. And, and I was motivated because here I am now going back to my my exercise machines. I'm supposed to wear a mask while you're exercising. Are you I know, crazy? Right? I and know. People, and I see people jogging wearing masks. It's like cuckoo people. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So off of that, back to being men, back to testosterone. <laughs> I want to. I want to ask. I want to ask. Um, just just about relationships. Sorry. So between male and females, with how things have changed from before until now, um, has communication become easier, harder uh, in today's day and age? You know, things are different now. Um, with the whole. Look at the data. Mm. The data is it's a disaster. That's the data. Okay. What it is, is now we have twice as many single people than when I was writing Men Are From Mars compared to married people. Used to be more married people, less single people. Now it's twice as many single people. And mm. actually the actual statistic is if you look at proportionally, now there's much, much more people who don't get married. Okay, twice as much people don't get married than before. All right, that's one. Two, second marriages, it goes to 60% divorce in America. And third marriages, 90% divorce. Why such quick divorce rates? Because people don't understand that when you have problems in relationships, that's you. <laughs> they ah, think somebody ah. else. I'll find somebody else. I'll find somebody else. Men typically find somebody else after three years. Women typically don't. For women, it's generally nine years. That's because women really think there's nothing I did wrong. Okay, so... And it's not that men think they did wrong. They just think they picked the wrong partner. Women go, I picked the wrong partner, but I thought I had the right partner. So I can't trust myself because I was so good. And I sit here three hours every Thursday on Facebook telling, telling women all the things they do wrong. Now, I know some women go, why are you telling us what we do wrong? I say, it's a women only thing. If it was men only, I tell men what they're doing wrong. But when I'm telling women what they do wrong, they go, why tell us what we do wrong? I said, do you want more in your relationship? If you want more money, do you like do the same thing you're doing now? No, you change what you do. Only a new seed will make a new crop. If you want different, you can go by the thought, well, then I need a new man. And that's okay, unless every man you get is the same thing. You gotta like wake up and go, maybe it's me, okay? And what is it that I'm doing that I don't know? And so, and maybe I just have a problem where I picked the wrong guys. You could even be that much of a victim, but still, why do you pick the wrong guys? Because you don't know how to bring the best, because you do pick the wrong guys. You pick guys you're turned on to sexually. I tell women, never pick a guy you're turned on to sexually if you have a pattern. This podcast is brought to you by Keon Aminos. Amino acids are the catalyst for nearly every physiological 
function, including protein synthesis. Unlike branched-chain amino acids, which only use three amino acids, Keon aminos comprise of nine essential amino acids. A deficiency in one of them would have detrimental effects on muscle preservation. Keon aminos have bioavailability and are clean. They don't have any artificial additives or preservatives. If you're looking to preserve muscle whilst losing body fat, then these are incredible. Check getkeon.com forward slash Snipes Aminos. That website link again is getkeon.com forward slash Snipes Aminos and use coupon code Snipes20 and get 20% off at checkout. This podcast is brought to you by Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium is one of the most essential minerals required by the body. The problem with what we have today is that much of our soil are destroyed, which means deficiency in much of the food which we buy. The level of stress in modern society is more too, which means magnesium depletion in our body. Overall, a large majority of the population is deficient in magnesium and they wouldn't even know. Some common symptoms of low magnesium are fatigue, tiredness for no logical reason, digestive issues, muscle cramps, weak pumps when training, irregular heartbeat, just to name a few. Magnesium Breakthrough has seven blends of magnesium with a precursor to increase chances of absorption. To get your hands on these high quality supplements, visit bioptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. That website link again is bioptimizers.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. If you have a pattern of picking the wrong guys, stop picking guys that turn you on. Because when women feel arousal to somebody they don't know, it's a fantasy. They don't even know him. And that guy doesn't know her. Wait until he knows you, does things for you, and then see if you want to have sex with him. How do people get out of that situation? Because that happens quite a lot, especially in, you know, digital age. People see each other through photos. Like, ooh, you know, that it's, it's all exciting, you know? And then they meet up, and that's the first initial, let's talk. I'm attracted to you. And then they get talking, and it's like, ooh, when are we going to have sex then? <laughs> that's how it is a lot of the time. Well, that's what men are. Men, men want to have sex. And when women are on their male side, mm-hmm. they feel the pressure that men feel to have sex right away. Or if they have low self-esteem, they want to have sex right away to think to hook the guy in. Okay, she really likes him. She wants to hook him in. So if women have sex to hook you in, you'll lose interest in them right away. You'll have sex for sure, and then you won't call them back, which is what women say all the time. I have sex with a guy and doesn't call me back. Uh, It's because she's having sex because she's trying to get him to like her rather than she first finds out, does he like the way I think? Does she like my feelings? Is he willing to do stuff for me? Then I'll have sex with him. Uh, And that's a big blow to men because men get the propaganda. If you're a real man, you get sex all the time because alpha men do. They don't stay in a relationship. I remember a guy came to me for counseling and he said, 
he, you know, I said, you know, he, he said, you know, I think you have a problem with relationships. And he says, what are you talking about? You know, I've had 700 women I've had sex with. I said, yeah, you can't keep them. You can start them. You can't keep them. <laughs> but you see what happens is when you're, uh, when, when you're not sensitive, you, you, you lure, you have a greater sense of power and that power attracts women with low self-esteem. And then women with low self-esteem feel sexual arousal to men who are not available. The guy had real intimacy issues. He knew nothing about relationships. He would lie to get women into bed. He's a liar. And they exist out there. Low self-esteem men have to lie to get women to have sex with them. So they flatter them. They say, you're the most amazing woman. It's crazy. And there's all kinds of techniques. You can read those books, which is all about deception. So when you lie to a woman with low self-esteem, she now basically seeks to please you by giving you whatever you want. And that's just dysfunctional. So there's that dysfunctional side of it. You know, my books are all about functionality. What does it really look like? You know, if you just want to go get laid in your guy, you read those books and you lower your self-esteem by doing it. Or you learn about real relationship skills. You learn how to conserve your semen, for example. It's not all about having sex, making out. I remember when I was eighth grade, we, I didn't even know what sex was, but we had lots of sex, I thought. We were just making out and touching body parts. It was so exciting. You don't have to stick it in and you don't have to ejaculate. And if you learn what I'll teach, and I'll teach it right now real quick, one part of it is do pleiades every day, as many as you can do without getting too stressed. That's where you, this is a ballet person. Go online and look at the basic ballet. You, you go up and down with your legs crossed. And what that does is strengthen mm. your legs muscles and do it without constrict, without contracting your yes. anus. Okay, that's the whole thing. But you're gonna create kind of a whole body thrust when you go up, push your pelvis forward. When you go down, push your velvet back, just like you're having sex with doing the pleiade and not constricting the anus. That will start loosening that place up, okay? Another technique you can do as men is you take a brick, put a towel around it, and you know, when you got clothes on as well, but you put it between your thighs. And so you, you're working out there. So you're working out their pelvic muscles. And then you just pump like you're having sex with the air. You pump for several minutes. And right. as long as you build those muscles up, you'll see when after you do that exercise, these are ancient Taoist exercises for, lung, for athletic sex. You know, they didn't have TV to watch. So they're having sex all night, you know. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds <laughs> to, pretty cool. You have, to, you have to build the right muscles to do this. And of course, they didn't ejaculate. They didn't, otherwise, you have recovery time. You, you can't stay How did in they know. How did they know about, you know, semen retention, that sort of thing back then? Well, it's actually semen retention is, is uh, well, I don't know how they knew. Okay, because I wasn't back there. I know that for me, I was very sexually active once I understood what sex was as a teenager. Then after Woodstock, I got so high, I came so low. And uh, of course, all drugs raise your estrogen and lower your testosterone, unless it's, you know, the leucinogenics and they make you really high and marijuana and all that stuff's estrogen stimulating. So after that, I really crashed and I had to find something else. And the Beatles had just gone to India to be with the Maharishi. And uh, they said, you can get high without taking drugs and then you stay high. And it's true. I'm high all the time. And it was through years of meditation. And, but I learned to meditate. And turns out meditation is a huge testosterone producer. Anytime you can forget your problems, but the key to it, you can't meditate all the time unless you're really good at it. You meditate to forget your problems and you go out and you try to solve problems. Then you come back and you forget your problems and you go back and you solve problems. 
So cave time, which women have to learn not to take personally, and you wouldn't take it personally if you understood men. See, that's the idea. If I'm in my, if I just suddenly am, I'm in a wheelchair, I, I trip and I hurt myself, and I'm in a wheelchair, you don't say to your partner, "If you love me, you'll walk." Mm -hmm. You can't do that. That's stupid. See, but we do it. We have unrealistic expectations, and right now we're being fed unrealistic expectations by the universities and the culture and the gender-neutral whole thing. This is all nonsense, really. It's the, you know, in the beginning, it was like, I was out there, this lone person saying, what are y'all talking about? Men and women are different. It's common lo lo logic. Oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. We're, we know, yeah, women don't have penises, but that's insignificant. We've got clitorises. <laughs> and you know what's interesting? Is I found out some research shows that when women have uh, high testosterone levels, they, they do have a bigger clitoris. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. That's not, that's not anything wrong with her. Okay. Now I want to emphasize nothing wrong with a woman with a lot of testosterone, nothing bad. If she's unhappy and she's dissatisfied and she can't fall in love and she can't sustain good relationships and she finds herself complaining and criticizing and being unhappy in her life, regardless of all the reasons she says she's unhappy. There's one reason she's unhappy. And that's that She is not taking responsibility to raise her estrogen. And that is always within her power. See, we got this whole victim thinking because the monkey brain is always victim. I feel this because of you rather than the front part of the brain is I feel what I feel because I'm misinterpreting reality. Because if I can see the whole picture, my point of view, my point of view is back here, your point of view, history's point of view, future's point of view, what I want, what you want, if we see it all, there's no problem. All problems going. That's what I do as a therapist. Within 30 minutes, people are happy once I get them to see the truth. But people don't see the truth. Let's say you're angry at your partner. And I say to you, you know, you're not just angry. You're afraid. I'm not afraid. So I have to help you get in touch with the fact that you wouldn't be arguing or angry if you weren't afraid. Anytime, men, you're angry, you're afraid. Get that. You're lying to yourself. I'm so angry. And you're using anger to get what you want? To intimidate somebody? You're a monkey. You're a gorilla. Nobody's going to love you and you're going to be weak and nobody's going to hire you. If we lived in a world where everybody was monkeys, they would hire you because you're bigger than them. This doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> you have this brain up here and says, you know, I want somebody to cooperate with, to work with, that understands me. And then I want to give them what they want because they give me what I want. Fairness, all these things. We're trying to live in this world. And yet we got this brain where we're like monkeys. And it's literally as if we're all these monkeys and somebody came along from another planet and injected through genetic manifest, genetic mutation, genes of a higher race, a more evolved race. And they put it in us. So it's right here in the front part of the brain, just as if, imagine that. They were like a big experiment and we're the only beings in around this universe, at least. They were actually monkeys and then got higher intelligence added on. <laughs> wow, what does that mean? That means that we can behave like higher beings and also enjoy the attachments of the monkey brain and the great sex of the dinosaur inside of us. We can have it all. If you imagine there's these beings and their brains are much bigger and they're much up here, everything is just logically computed. It's like in Star Trek, they're all part of a hive and they all think together. Of 
okay, that's one line. How about being an American where you're free or supposedly other places where you have freedom <laughs> and you want to have your own free will and want to learn your own lessons and you want to have power and passion and love and lust and excitement and joy and have more, have less. You know, we have this amazing potential as human beings to have higher intelligence along with learning to integrate it into this emotional part of the brain, into this instinctive part of the brain. Imagine if you can bring all that high love and open heartedness and higher intelligence down into the limbic system, you have this thing called love and compassion and empathy, bring it all the way down to the instinctive brain and you have great sex. Now maybe you have an elixir of immortality. That's what the Taoists would believe. Ooh, studies there. Those, there were people there that theoretically have like hundreds of children, men who have hundreds of children. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being polygamous if you're in a society where women need men and there's not enough men around. So <laughs> basically, if all the men died in a battle, who's going to be the man for all these women? Well, you're going to find the richest guy who can take care of him. And those women are happy that he wants to have sex with other women. They have no problem with it. So there's no right and wrong. There's, there, there's situations. But I'm teaching and people can take that one little section and think I'm just saying everybody should be polygamous or men should go around and have affairs. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that you want to be Superman, you achieve monogamy. See, if you have the best, if you have the best sex with your partner you've ever had, why would you think about another partner? But you do yeah. start to think another partner if you're ejaculating all the time. But actually, there's a, a hormone that gets produced if you have great sex with your wife, which is called prolactin. It doesn't have get produced if you're having sex with a stranger or masturbating on your own or going online and doing it. It's when you make love with somebody you care about, you have a, you, when you ejaculate, you also make prolactin. Prolactin says, I'm not interested in other women for a while. It dampens your sex drive for six days. And then on the seventh day, your, 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 um, testosterone levels double, and now you want to have sex with your wife again. Now, that's one way of sustaining passionate monogamy, is just have sex, generally speaking, on one, one day of the week. So you mm -hmm. always have those days. Now, if you want to become super, you know, you want to become the, the marathon sex guy, then what you have to do is you learn to have sex, but you don't ejaculate. So your, your testosterone stay high all the time, and all kinds of bodily functions become healthier and more enlightened and more energy. All I know is that um, I love my work. I can work nonstop. I've got 28 books I've written. I've traveled the world. I go on airplane flights. I never get tired. I don't experience jet lag, <laughs> you know, and that's a, a big part of that. A big part of that is I meditate a big part of that. What I did after being a hippie and I got high, which was to become a celibate monk because they, my teacher was Maharishi. I became his personal assistant, junior Maharishi. 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 Did that influence your views on relationships at all? You know, it's funny, as his assistant, uh, everybody asked me questions to ask him. And he would always say, tell me to say, if it's a relationship question, he's a monk, he doesn't know anything about it. He never answered relationship questions. When I left him, that's what I became as a relationship expert. That became <laughs> my, my, it's very funny that that's the case. But he didn't know anything about relationships. He knew about meditation. Mm -hmm. And he said that. I don't know about relationships uh, or sex or any of those things. Uh, that became my expertise. But yeah. meditation was a foundation for me and still is a big part of my life. Meditation is a foundation because meditation teaches you how to come back to find your happiness inside. 
how to find your peace and calm, how to lower your stress without having to change the outer environment. See, it's knowing that I've got always got a million dollars in the bank account. You can't take that away from me and I can spend it however I want. See, that's my safety level. So Bonnie, my wife, sometimes, you know, men and women, we push each other's buttons and I'd overreact to things. She'd overreact to things. All couples do this. And, and that's, that's your soulmate. You have the perfect person to push your buttons. And so those feelings would come up. And what I learned is if I'm a man, don't talk. So I said, I'm going to think about it. I go in my cave and I would either do drive my car, meditate, uh, or solve problems or work on a, a theory or whatever it would be. And testosterone goes up. That's what men have to learn. What are the things you can do to increase your testosterone? I'll tell you, it's a huge testosterone producer to lift heavy weights. I'm just so happy to be back in the gym again because being at home and not out on the road, you see, being on the road helped my testosterone a lot because I could be gone three or four days. So when I came back, I was really horny. (laughs) Now, if I'd been masturbating, I wouldn't be horny. It'd be like nothing. And this is what happens to couples. Sex becomes, okay, that's nice. It's like a sneeze. It's okay. It's, but it's not ecstatic like it was in the beginning. Yeah. Everybody, most couples in the beginning, sex is like amazing. You know, just kissing her is amazing. Touching her breasts is amazing. What's, what are you doing then as a man? You're horny, so your testosterone levels are very high. And as soon as you touch the soft breast, your estrogen starts to go up. Your testosterone starts to come down a little bit. So you're starting to go into balance. See, we're always seeking balance. You know, the Spartans, you know, they would be in, they're like these supermen, all abs, all muscle. They sleep on the ground. They deprive themselves. See, as a monk, I ate one glass, one bowl of food a day. I slept on the floor. I never masturbated. You know, I, complete control. See, that kind of control, that's discipline for a noble cause. I, I, for some people, that was sort of the path to enlightenment. I'm not saying everybody has to do that now. That was my journey. I'm like an extremist, okay? I go one direction, I go the other way. I'm not extremely balanced as I look at myself, extremely happy in my life, but still, uh, I mean, I've made a lot, a lot of money and I've also lost a lot of money because, because I'm very naive. I used to be very naive and trusted everybody. Right. But when you make a lot of money, then people consciously come at you and lie to you to take your money thinking, it's just what happens. It's like a bright light, the mosquitoes come. What can I say? Uh, But always, always I attract more than I lose. So I've always been in a good state. What's your your views? You mentioned about uh, role mates and soul mates. Um, Would you be able to elaborate on that? Yes, yes. So role mate is you've got my, this is all beyond Mars and Venus. It's kind of based on this. Beyond Mars and Venus means that we have these traditional roles that we associate with men. And we have traditional roles we associate with women. Now women can be like men and men can be like women. No problem with that as long as we keep finding our balance and we keep coming back. So a role mate relationship is literally where your role itself holds you into your masculine hormones if you're a man and holds a woman into her female hormones. For example, if you depend on a man for money, your estrogen will be much higher than other women who don't. It's just that's a given. And, and that's proven. If you're married, you have higher estrogen. If you're single, you're a woman, your estrogen goes down. So you're more prone to higher levels of stress. Also, the great research showed that the higher a woman's estrogen is, measure her estrogen, men will find you more attractive. So they literally measured the estrogen levels in women. The women who had the highest estrogen levels in a study, the men all found her more, attra- all the men found her more attractive. Estrogen, literally, not just 
through pheromones and makes a man attracted to you, but literally visually, the way the blood flows in your face when your estrogen levels make you more attractive. The little smile on your face, whatever it is, estrogen says, and what estrogen says is I need help and I have it. Okay. Right. That's your major, that's a high estrogen. I have, I need you and I have you. You're mine. <laughs> You're mine. That's monogamy, you see. And, and that's great sex. I mean, I remember the place where I really got orgasmic, I mean, ecstatic. My emotions with my wife are, I am yours. I, you own me and, I, and you're mine. You know, I'm your husband, you're my wife, and we're one. You know, this is, as a yogi, I was a yogi, celibate monk, all that stuff, master meditation, taught meditation. You get in these high states where you're one with the universe. First, you expand out, you merge into it, you become one with it. You feel outside the body, you know, you've got this body, but mainly you're one with infinite space. Okay, this is common meditation experiences if you do it for a few years. So now you're unbounded, you feel one with everything. Okay, that's a great state. That's oneness with your eyes are closed with the invisible universe. And then you start feeling one with other things. It's a sense of connection to everything. That's a good experience. But then when you can feel that with your wife when you're naked and you're having sex, that's really bringing all that higher energy into the body, into the, and the body is where we can experience sensuality. Some of the movies about angels, uh, they say the fallen angel is the angel who brings the divine into the body and marries a woman, earth woman. Uh, even in the Bible, it says that the giants uh, found that the, uh, are the demigods, they found, this is in the Christian Bible. They don't read the Bible, so they don't know that. The demigods found that the human women, the monkey women were, <laughs> were attractive and had babies. Uh, they, I think it's the gods came down, had sex, and then you have these, these uh, offspring. Which of is giants movie. or something. They talk about the giants. They talk about they found that the humans were attractive and they had sex with them and then they created a, a babies and so forth. There's all this stuff in there that's amazing. We don't know really our whole history about what goes on. So lots <laughs> of theories out there. Because I, I have all my beliefs about it, but I didn't live back then. I know now. And I, I just know right now that I have never felt so spiritual as when I'm making love uh, in my body with a, a woman that loves me. And mm. that's just so, and that you give everything to them. Their happiness is your happiness. See the challenge for us men, it's easy to feel a woman's happiness is your happiness because we resonate. But also the key is, is her unhappiness is not your happiness, un, is not your unhappiness. Okay, that's the dynamic. You have to be personal, but not take it personally if she's in an altered state. Women are like the weather. You have to get this, men. They're never going to always be happy. Don't take it personally. You can make it worse. You can't make it better unless she first makes it better. And then you can take her from happy to happier. Your job is not to make her happy. Just don't make it worse. Most men <laughs> do make it worse by trying to make her happy. You make it worse. You're attached to it. You know, if you're unhappy, I'm unhappy. No, that's just because you're depending too much on her to be happy. You should be happy. And then you can be happier when she's happy. See, that's, I take it personally when you're happy. If you're unhappy, I don't take it personally. That's your job. I don't have to make you happy, but doesn't mean I have no empathy. And the reality is I don't have empathy, but I have compassion. I, there's a difference between compassion and empathy and sympathy. I don't feel bad for you. Empathy is, you know, I relate to everything. I don't relate to what she's upset about. I don't have those feelings, but I can relate to her emotions. See, that's why emotions are so powerful. Because if you say you're sad, well, I know what sad feels like. And I, I can relate to the pain of sadness and loss and disappointment and fear and anger. I know the pain of that. And that's compassion. Compassion is 
I may not have the same belief system as you when you're upset, but I can feel your pain and I feel compassion for that. And, and that's what anybody needs. Compassion heals. And that's what we have to get. You don't have to agree with your wife when she says, I'm so upset because the printer's not working. Okay. You can then say, it must be so frustrating. And she says, it is frustrating. I have to do this. And then I have to do this. And then you just keep relating to the feeling of frustration. But if the printer's not working, I find another one or I fix it. What's the big deal? You know, things break. Why, why are you making a big deal out of it? But yeah. I don't say that. Don't say it, yeah. I, can't, I can't empathize with just the printer is broken. I can't empathize with there was so much traffic today. I don't care if there's traffic. You know, I'm a good driver. You know, I feel good in traffic. And also I avoid it quite a bit by my lifestyle. You can't avoid it. If, you have a, if you're an entrepreneur, you can choose when you're going to be on the highway. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not going to relate to, oh, poor me, I have to go on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> but I can relate to your frustration that, oh, I was late and I was on the highway. I was so disappointed because I thought this was going to, I can immediately connect with the pain of negative emotions. So that's a whole thing I teach with emotional intelligence that like 0.3 or something, 0.4, because this beginner's emotional intelligence, like always use I phrases when what you feel it's actually disastrous to use I phrases with your feelings. When you say, I feel you don't love me, you're going to knock his testosterone levels down. Oh, it's wow. Terrible. I feel like you don't care. Oh, but I just said, I feel, so it somehow frees it from being effective. No, I feel. But if you, if you own your emotions, which is when you do this, I feel angry, anger is released as soon as you acknowledge it so you can let it go. But when you say, I feel you don't love me, you're affirming the truth of you don't love me. And you try to tell somebody, well, you're wrong. I do love you. Are you telling me my feelings are wrong? <laughs> but <laughs> you're just reinforcing to feel your beliefs. Whenever you have negative emotions, you have to know that whatever you're feeling as far as a thought goes, see, I feel like it's just a thought. It's a belief. I feel an emotion is healing. I feel a thought just points out to me that my feeling thought is wrong. Anytime you feel like, oh, I feel like nobody cares about me, or I feel like I'll never be successful, or, I feel like I'm too old to be successful, or, I feel like I'm going to get sick from COVID virus, whatever, that you're just affirming a negative belief like you believe it. Feeling is nobody can tell you. If, if you bump me on the arm, I feel it. You can't argue with that. You bump me on the arm, I feel it. Okay, You can't argue with that. So if I feel I'm gonna get, I could get sick, you can't argue with that. That's what I feel. I feel the world's more violent than ever before. That's what I feel. It's actually not. The world is more safe than it's ever been in history. But when you look at the TV set, you go, oh my God, so many people are killing each other. Well, you don't know that 17, that crime has gone down 17%. It goes down, down, down. The world is becoming so much better. It's just we focus over here and focus over here and focus over here. Anyway, so it's, it's, we don't see the complete truth. We're always being manipulated to give up our power and to buy things that we don't need. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. What common um, uh, errors do you find in a lot of relationships in today's day and age? What's the, what's the most common well, what one it, now? What is funny is, is just doing one or two sex positions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You see, if you look in Taoism and Tantra, you'll see they had all these different sex positions. And the point of it was not so much the sex position, although they made some reason to that. The point of it, as soon as you get close to ejaculation, man, stop. Stop. Begin again in a new position. 
Mm-hmm. Every time, it's just like you have to shift gears, shift gears to let the energy settle down so you build it up again. So you've got all these wonderful positions. So that's one <laughs> that really is the biggest problem I see for couples today, for people today, for men. They're ejaculating too much. And for women, they're addicted to, to vibrators or not sex at all. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, so many women now are doing vibrators and that overstimulates the clitoris. So a man will never be able to give you an orgasm again unless you stop that and let it have time to recover its sensitivity. It can recover uh, in most cases, but you lose your ability to be turned on to a man. Just as men who do porn, masturbate to porn, lose their ability to, to sustain interest in a relationship. This is proven. We've got 21-year-old men now who've been addicted to porn as teenagers, and they can't keep it up with a real woman. And if you can't keep up your sexual desire, you'll lose interest in a woman. Every part, what fuels interest in a man is sexual desire. You know, you start to go, really, do I have to do all this to make this relationship work? And then you get horny and you go, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Okay. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, you know, a relationship takes energy and effort without a doubt. And much of the time it doesn't, it's fun and can be, but you got to do stuff to keep, to take care of your garden. You know, a relationship like a garden, you got to water it, you got to protect it, you got to feed it, you got to nurture it. It doesn't have to be a big hassle. Some people just love being in the garden. And, you know, when I talk to women, some of the, when I start telling them what they have to do, they go, why do I have to do it? Why do I have to do it? I say, if you want it to change, you have to do it. If he wants it to change, he has to do it. The good news is that it's not hard to do it. It's actually what I'm asking you to do is actually called learning how to love. Mm. It's like, you don't know how to love. If you resent learning new things to love, you just don't know how to love. And you think you do. And you're wasting all this energy. It'd be like, I invest in stocks. and I keep losing money. I just keep putting my money in and I keep losing. Maybe you need a different investment strategy. You have to find the right strategy that works for you. And don't blame the, the, the stock market. A lot of people are being successful at it. Mm. Blame yourself, but with love, because I don't know better. And, and thank goodness you worked really hard, but now you're feeling resentment and bitter. And you're, anytime you're resentment and bitter, your heart is closed. Nobody wants to be with you. Why do I want to be with somebody who's thinking complaints and criticism all the time? I have somebody, I've married 40 years with somebody who thought I was amazing. God's gift to the planet. Uh, You know, this is like amazing. And I am, and so are you, and so are we all. I don't want to build myself up anymore, but at least I know it. And she knew it. And so I could get that. Not all the time, by the way. (laughs) I'd come home from getting a standing ovation from a thousand people and she said, John, you didn't call me. So the dinner's cold. You could have told me your plane was late. You didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh. And, you know, later it's just like, you know, nobody can talk to you like I do. I said, that's right, honey. We have, you know, <laughs> you don't have to put me on a pedestal. Uh, and, and that's the problem with a lot of big famous teachers is they don't have a wife to take them off the pedestal. That's where you gain your humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you have to, you, but at the same time, you, you, you know, what, 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 what happens is you can't look to one person for everything. All right. That's the important thing. And I used to resent Bonnie because I'd come out with new theories and she would like, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. And of course, everything I say is controversial. Right. And so once I became famous, she's like, well, even before I came famous, just coming out with these new ideas that were completely politically incorrect. Oh, John, you can't say that. You can't say that. And I'm like, this is my wife. I can go in front of an audience and 80% of the audience thought it was magical because they weren't married to me and afraid that I would be, uh, say something which would get negative feedback, you know? And they did get negative feedback. I had people holding signs up, becoming dispersed, having riots in front of me. You know, there was, you know, when I spoke to the parliament of England, 
Somebody pulls the fire alarm, ruins my whole talk. Everybody had to evacuate. My talk was over. They used to do that, you know, pull the fire alarm and then everybody has to leave. Sometimes they start yelling and screaming, arguing with me while I'm giving a talk. And I would, what I did, I stayed cool, calm, and collected. I didn't get argued back. I just said, excuse me, this is not the question and answer session. And I don't know if I'm going to invite you to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, this is not the question and answer session. And they would keep talking. I say, you'll have to sit down and stop talking. You're interrupting me. And they would keep, keep interrupting. I said, now I've asked you two or three times, if you continue to be disruptive in this and, and, not, not, and not interrupt, I'm going to call security and take you away. That's what, sh what should have been done by the moderator at the debate the other night. I said, excuse me, if you don't follow the rules, this is not a debate and therefore I'm walking away. Boy, that would have created a sensation because actually everybody, the report after that debate is that nothing got said, nothing got said, nobody got to say anything, it was petty. So if the moderator had known that, he could have said, you know, this is a petty discussion, not a debate, so we're gonna close this. Now you really couldn't do that, but. I think that would have been the best thing to do is you just don't allow a debate, which is supposed to be a very dignified forum without emotional outbursts. Okay. You can be heartfelt with emotion. You can't have emotional outbursts. You can say me, I'm totally emotional about this, but I'm not angry at anybody. Yeah. See, that, that's the whole harmony thing. Uh, mm. Anyway. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Um, you, you look at, you look at somebody who's interrupting all the time. You think, Oh, they're just so strong. No, they're weak. They're weak. It's the weakest form of communication is interrupting, being judgmental, being critical. And it's men when they're that way. It's their testosterone is going down. They're not powerful men. They're weak men compensating by appearing like big gorillas. And that's what we need to know as men. If you start to get angry, stop talking. Try to regain your control by knowing how to communicate. One way to do it is, well, one way to do it in the beginning is I need to think about this and we'll talk later and then go off and rebuild your testosterone. That was stage one for me. Stage two is I realized, okay, now all I need to keep my testosterone up is to feel control. Not that I'm trying to control them, I need to be in control of myself. So I'm in control of myself when I feel confident that I'm getting what I want. See, whenever you're confident I'm getting what I want. So then finally over practice, with practice communicating, I learned, I, I have 100% knowledge, there's something called a love guarantee. Actually, I have it in my mind, it's a big, uh, yellow star with ribbons. It says love guarantee on it. And I got this from my friend Warren Farrell, who wrote a book called Why Men Are the Way They Are. And every man should read that book. Okay. Why men are they are. And so, but he talks about the love guarantee. And I know I've got a love guarantee because if I cannot get upset while my wife keeps being upset, her Sorry. estrogen levels will go up and her stress will go down. And without my telling her how wonderful I am, she's going to feel like I'm the most amazing husband that I didn't react to what she went through. And that means even when she, she tests you, she says, what do you think about that? You're not talking, what are you feeling? I said, well, right now I'm trying to understand you and I really need to know more. Help me understand this better. That's the power phrase. Yeah. <laughs> when, you say, when you say, help me understand this better, I'm saying I'm choosing to listen instead of I don't wanna listen to this crap, which is yeah. what my monkey brain is saying. I put it in my words, help me understand this better, puts me back up into here where I'm learning. Anytime you're learning and not defending, you're gonna have blood flow here. So just the phrase, help me understand this better. She talks a little bit and say, well, tell me more about that. You see, now I'm in control, I'm not resisting. Hmm. Tell me more about that, help me, what else? And then when she seems like nothing else to say, is there anything more? 
you love guarantee. You're like made man history. I couldn't believe my husband. He's so amazing. I feel so safe with him because when women feel safe, their estrogen goes up, their stress goes down, and then they start remembering all the good things that you do while they love you. Otherwise, they just remember all the reasons they shouldn't love you. Wow. And that's just a monkey brain going off. So we have to learn that, man. So what you do is those are the three phrases. Help me understand that better. What else? Tell me more. Practice those. But if you get angry, as soon as your voice becomes angry, got to stop. Got to go into another room. Then she'll, she'll provoke you. See, they don't know this stuff either. She'll start making noises to get you to come back. Why are you leaving? Where are you going? Why can't you listen to me? You never listen to me. I do. I can't right now. Don't even speak. You say the same thing. I just need to think about it and then I can... We can talk again. When are we going to talk? You never talk. You're not going to do that. I just need to think about it. And you don't let her control you. Mm -hmm. You take that time because you're going to protect her from the dragon that lives inside of every man because this instinctive brain is a lizard. It is a dragon. It burns fire. That's not you. That's you when you don't have any brains up here in the front part of your brain. That's so amazing. protect her from the dragon. And in the beginning, Bonnie went through stages with this too. And she said one time when I said, I'm, look, I just need to think about this and I'll be back. And I went off, drove my car, went off somewhere, did my thing until I felt good. Then I do a process, which is what did she do wrong? Because whenever you're, when you're angry and upset, you always blame. So let me hear the blaming part of me. She, what did she do? She said this, this, this. Try to create sentences. What did she actually say? Most men would go, oh, she's being a bitch. No, don't, that's just some, what does that mean? What did she say? What else did she say? What did she do? What did she say? Get very clear. See it. What happened? You have to look at what happened. That makes you objective. That's testosterone. What happened? But you're blaming is still okay because you're going to take your side of it next. What happened? And then you take it one step further. This is a million dollar thing for men. What didn't happen? Now you got to think how she could have responded to you. What could she have said? What did she need? How could she have gotten it? How could she have talked to me? What should she have done? So start focusing your mind. She, she did this. She didn't do this. What should she do? Okay, now you're solving the problem. Okay, but you don't go tell her that because that will sound like criticism. And nobody responds to criticism. So you're, again, solving the problem by, well, if I tell her that, then she's never going to change. Because if you criticize your partner, they don't change. Get it? That's what monkeys do. Humans don't. Mm -hmm. Or at least these new hybrid beings that we are with higher intelligence along with a monkey brain. Who's <laughs> in charge here? So I know trying to change somebody doesn't work, particularly in a loving relationship. So first I say, what happened? Clear. Be objective. What didn't happen? Lay out the points. Then you have to think, well, what, what, what didn't happen that was supposed to happen? Then you have, what could she have said? What could she have done? Then you go another level of objectivity. You go, what should have happened? Okay, now you've done that. You've seen one point of view objectively. Now, look at my side of it. Knowing what I know, how, what did I do that provoked the situation or made it worse? Now, you won't know that until you read my books because you always provoke it, man. As soon as you even give any advice, you're provoking it. As soon as you're getting upset, you're provoking it. As soon as you're making her wrong, you're provoking it. As soon as you're resisting anything she says, you're provoking it. So you yeah. get how you did it. What did you say? What did you not say? So what I, what I said, and now what I could have said that would have made it better, often I used to get to that point and I go, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know, there's that place where if you're making up, you have your time apart, you know you can go back and, and resolve this. All I have to do is say, honey, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, it's just, we, we're our biggest enemy. We are the mm -hmm. one, okay? So mm -hmm. you look at, 
okay, what did I say? What did I not say that would have made it better? And what should I do in the future? Okay, so now I've learned from it. For me, that's why I wrote all these books. What did I learn from it? Everything in this book, none of this is book learning for me. Everything is my experience of life, what I learned from messes that I had to clean up. That's how you learn, man. If there's messes, you made it. Always somebody else makes it too. But if you look at how you made it, you start getting the power to make a different life. Because changing other people doesn't do it. Changing yourself does it. So that was a more advanced stage where I go off. First, I forget it. I have to rebuild my testosterone. Then mentally, I look at everything she did, didn't do, should do. Then I look at what I didn't do, what I did, what I shouldn't do. And we're much easier to look at ourselves after we've just looked at them. Okay. It makes it so much easier. There's just no room to look at yourself till you see exactly that side of the point of view. Now you can look at your side of the point of view. And when you see both sides, then your heart's open and then you have a strategy. Now your strategy is what are you going to do now? You're going to ignore the issue completely. You're going to go back and create safety. You're going to start doing loving things. You're not going to go back and have that same conversation right away. Mm. Everybody's still got little bruises from it. Okay. There are bruises there. You can't just go back and address the same thing again. You've got to rebuild trust through affection through warmth and there's three kinds of love that are most important to aim ourselves at when it comes to a woman understanding what she goes through validating it caring about her showing her that you care that's softness and kindness and respecting her okay respecting her wishes and needs honoring her like you would a president in your house you know this is this is the lady you knelt before and said i'll give my life to you that's respect and men have that amazing power, then they lose it when they don't feel appreciated. Mm. So the flip side of this, what women would want to know to do is focus not on, everybody says, respect the man, respect the man. That, everybody deserves respect. But the thing men need most is appreciate what he does for you. Appreciate the hard efforts he puts forth for you. Appreciate his caring that he does for you. Focus on the things he does for you and accept him. Don't try to change him. Don't resist him. Don't expect perfection from him. Accept him. Don't reject him because he doesn't always do what you want him to do or like. Accept him. Yeah, that's my husband. I love him just the way he is. I love him just the way he is. And look what he does for It's amazing. And the third one is trust. Trust him. He makes mistakes. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Trust that he does love you. Made a mistake. That's all. You make mistakes too. Everybody does. And forgive him. You can't you know, you, oh, he did this and this and this. You got to forgive. That's accepting him as he is. He's learning, growing person. And you trust that he loves and trust that he can get. He will always want to give you more if you approach him in the right way. Mm -hmm. I want to give you an example about trust. Women don't understand it all. They just, you do one thing, they go, I can't trust you. That's the craziest thing. That means you just closed your heart. Men go into, what the fuck do I care? They stop caring. Are you an idiot or whatever? But that's shutting down. So men shut down into uncaring. Of course he cares. And of course she trusts him. But we go into this monkey reaction. So coming out of it, I want to give an example on trust that just comes up to say. Mm. My dog, little, little Abby. Now, dog is adorable little puppy and just loves everybody, loves kids. But one day we gave the dog a beef bone. Normally just give it food, right? Well, we had bones from the ranch. So we gave it a beef bone. Now that dog, when it had a bone, and I'd seen this before, when she has a bone, you just, she, it's like, that's mine. She's in a fight or flight reaction. Okay. She's in a fight. Don't take my bone. Mm -hmm. So I was at the ranch and we knew that she would sort of growl at you if you got near her with a bone. Yeah. And then, and then while at the ranch, 
you know, she had the bone and we're leaving. And I said, you know, come on, Abby, let's go, let's go. And she, she's, I'm not going to go. I said, we got to go in the car now. We got to go now. And I just thought it was, my, my brain went, that's stupid. I'm your daddy. You know, I'm the guy that gave you the bone. <laughs> so come with me. So I didn't respect her growls. And I grabbed her and she bit me and it caused blood to come out. And that's called drawing blood. Now, the knowledge in the society says if a dog draws blood in a human, you kill it. That's sort of the rule. Now, I put it out on my Facebook that day, I remember, and I put it out and I said, now my dog had a bone and I tried to take the bone away and it bit me. Should I kill the dog or should I just never give my dog a bone? <laughs> and mm. I was shocked. And almost everybody said, you have to kill the dog, put it down. Oh, wow, seriously? Yes, yes, put it down, put it down, put it down. Oh, I can do that to children. I said, why do I need to put the dog down when I can control not to give that dog a bone? See, so th that's the point is that, you know, yes, your partner has a dragon inside if you give him a bone, but just don't give him a bone. <laughs> you need to take that's responsibility. amazing. And when yeah. I look at violence in relationships, I just want people to know that if a man is angry and you ask him a question to talk, you're provoking him to lose control and become a dragon. You're just as much a part of it as he is. Whenever you try to engage a man in emotional conversation, when he's angry, more and more he's going to lose control and he becomes a dragon. You brought the dragon out. Mm. You have to understand, every man's got a dragon and you want that dragon because if somebody's going to attack you, he's going to bite them. If somebody's going to try to take your children, he's going to bite them. If somebody's going to want to take your money, somebody's going to bite them. He's going to protect you. And women used to appreciate that dragon. And they learned all for thousands of years, women learned how to not bring the dragon out against her. And that was by being loving and smiling. So women basically have an instinct when there's danger around, they smile. Oh, how can I tend and befriend you? What can I do for you? But now that women are on their male side, they want to fight the dragon. Big mistake. It doesn't mean oh. to submit yourself to him. It doesn't mean to agree with him. It doesn't mean you have to do what the dragon says or the man says. What you have to do is feed him what he needs. So if he says something, he says, you know, you shouldn't wear that outfit. That's an overly controlling man. You'd basically say as a woman, you basically say, oh, tell me why you think that's a good idea. You mm -hmm. wouldn't say, why do you feel that way? That's estrogen. Feelings is estrogen. Right. Tell me why you think that's a good idea. And then whatever he says, you say, oh, well, that makes sense. Tell me more. Well, that makes sense. I can see why you would want that. I'm still going to wear that outfit because you're not my boss and walk out of the room. That's it. That's really interesting, man. Yeah. Really interesting. You don't let somebody control you. This is my body. I control my body, but I can give you the love you need, which is that makes sense. That's a good idea. And for women on dates, I explain to them. I'm telling women how to be authentic, emotionally authentic on a date. And they think, oh, I can just say whatever I want. That's not authenticity. Be your, uh, often people are drawn to Donald Trump because he, he is authentic. <laughs> he's, my, he's an authentic asshole. Uh, <laughs> and there's no question about that. He was an eight-year-old on that debate. Okay, so having said that, may, like what he's done, a lot of people go, oh, he's doing good things, but he certainly is not a good role model of how to be a man but he is doing good things. So that's on the pro side of it. And other people are just disgusted by him. So there's two different points of view. But the behavior, a man 
being so negative and expressing his feelings like that, just throwing feelings out is, you don't deserve that ever women. Mm. Never do you deserve someone to talk to you that way. And basically you just say, oh, look, let's take a time out. But you might try to calm them down by telling me why you think that. And if you can do it in a calm way, not like a judgment. Why would you think that? So you're on a date and a guy says something and you start to go, well, why would you think that? I'm offended by that. I'm hurt by that. I can't believe it. Now you're trying to change him with your emotions. He's, he's out of there. He doesn't care about you anymore. Or you can completely disagree with him and actually build intimacy. Disagreement builds intimacy because you reveal, well, you know, that's an interesting point of view. I would have never thought that. Tell me why you think that. Well, that makes sense. Well, I can see that's a good idea. Boy, I can add that to my repertoire. I completely disagree though. You know, from my point of view, I think da 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 So I can give my point of view without trying to change your point of view. And I have to let you know I'm not trying to change your point of view by taking a little time to acknowledge and appreciate your point of view. That's Sorry. what I just when I talked about Trump, because I know some people listening like Trump and some people don't like Trump. And I think we can all agree he behaves like an insecure little boy arguing and fighting. But but for many people, he's done really good things. Okay. Because what mm -hmm. he's done is he's not following the standard old-fashioned establishment. He's sort of anti-establishment. I personally am completely anti-establishment because the establishment has created all these messes. We have a completely unjust world and it's more of the same. So let's break out of it. So at least there's that sense of let's break out of it. I think it could be done in a much more diplomatic way and a much more dignified way. But, you know, so people who like what he's done, they like that. But also people like that who have dysfunctional fathers and they think that's love. You see, the, the, the whole rationale of dysfunctionality is I justify my dysfunctional behavior because I love you. You know, this is a standard message behind punishing your children. I'm punishing you because I love you. I remember a woman on the Oprah show who was saying, you know, I did 18 Oprah shows, okay? I used to really, back in the 90s, she was my coaching client and I taught her company. So with, with this lady, she did, a, she did a show with mothers of men on death row. And so we wanted to understand what their childhood was like. And this mother, you know, she said, you know, I did everything I could for my son. He became a criminal, but I did ever, I loved him so much. And Oprah says, really? And she said, yes, if you come to my house, the wall is red from how many times I've knocked some sense into him, banging his head against the wall. That's day brain damage because I loved him. I'm gonna hit you. I only hit you because I love you. This is insanity. This is monkeys thinking that hitting somebody is going to change them. Same thing in our penitentiary system. We punish people. They kicked me out because everybody wanted to come to my seminars there, San Quentin, right over the bay from where I live. They're, they all loved it. They were all learning and growing and healing and opening their heart in prison. And the warden kicked me out. He says, they like you too much. They're here to be punished. <laughs> it's interesting. It's mm. crazy. Like and by you the way, too much. but this is major rehabilitation. These are rapists and killers. You don't can't even imagine their childhoods. Yeah. But the way I healed them, and this is all the warden could think. It wasn't totally illogical, although he did tell me the reason you can't come back here to be punished, and they like what you do. What he meant to say behind that is that in order to heal these men, I brought in if I had 32 men in a class. I brought in 32 women and they had to do therapy exercises together. 
And in a therapy exercise, you do role playing. And I would have the women role play being little girls talking to their fathers. And I told the prisoners to be the father and learn how to listen and ask questions. Tell me more. What makes you upset? What makes you angry? What makes you sad? What makes you afraid? What is it you wish? What is you need? And then I would tell the men, now I want you to say back to the girls what you, they just said. I understand you feel angry because, I understand you feel sad, I understand you feel afraid. And now you say to them, I'm so sorry that you feel that way and I'm gonna make things different. I'm so sorry for the things I said or did, whatever they were saying, the women were saying, and I promise I will do this for you. So you apologize, you give understanding, and you make promises, and then you stand up and you have eyes closed and the women imagine their father's in front of them. Their eyes are closed the whole time. The men are doing just what I tell them to do. These men have never, and the women are crying. They're healing. They're getting the love and support. And the men are basically never in their lives had they ever experienced a vulnerable woman not feeling like a victim. These women are sharing and crying and then now stand up and imagine your father before you and your father's gonna say these phrases, I love you, I will always love you. I love you, I will always love you. And the woman is saying, please love me, I need your love. Please love me, I need your love. See, these men have never felt needed by a woman when her heart was open. They have no feeling, they can't think about what, see you commit a crime because you can't feel what somebody would feel if you did that to them. They talk without considering how it's gonna to sound to the other person, how it might hurt them, because they can't feel their own hurt. If you can't feel your own hurt, then there's this instinctive reaction in the monkey brain to hurt somebody. Where does that come from? Simple communication. If you hurt me, stop hurting me, but I have no language. So I have to, if you hurt me, I have to hurt you to say, see, that's why it doesn't feel good. <laughs> it's really just trying to communicate my hurt. Hollywood knows that. They build up the day of the bad guy. His wife is killed and murdered. His children are slaughtered. And now he's the, he survives. Now he spends the whole movie training to kill the bad guy. And everybody in the movie who's so loving and supportive at the very end, when he finally tortures the bad guy, hurts him, everybody goes, yeah, hurt him, hurt him. It's, we're monkeys. You hurt yeah. me, I'm going to hurt you. But what are we really doing? We're communicating. As I, if, I'm, if you hurt me, I want you to feel what I feel. That's what good communication does. It helps us to feel what others feel. Then we become loving beings. Then we feel connected. Then we become more civilized. That's language. But whenever we feel that urge of revenge or punishment, get even, all that is just monkey stuff. Shaming, guilting, you should have, you didn't. All monkey stuff. Yeah. I like Oprah when she said, you know, resenting someone, not forgiving somebody is like giving them free rent in your brain to torment you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, God. absolutely brilliant. Free rent in your brain to torment you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to keep you from being who you are, which is an unconditional loving being, forgiving, accepting, understanding, and not a doormat. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily let that person do it to you again. Maybe you have to go off, move on in life. But you don't hold them in your brain saying, I'm not a happy person today because of what happened in the past. I would be so much more happy in my life if that didn't happen. No, 
I'm happier now in my life. I'm a better person from all the disasters that happened in my life. And not that I wanted them. The worst thing that ever happened to me in my life is my wife dying of cancer two years ago. But I'm happier than I've ever been as well because I've done the healing, the grieving has got me in touch with a part of me that's so deep. Because, you know, when you lose something, you feel more appreciation for it. You know, I'm, as a writer, sometimes I lose some some text in the old days when the, the old computers, you lose stuff, you can't get it back. And, and it would be a chapter I'm working on and I didn't even like it so much. It wasn't so great because you have to edit this stuff. But if I lose it, oh my God, that was the greatest thing I've ever done. I'll never, ever, I can't believe it. I lost that thing. That was so great. That's why we, we all cling. We cling because if we lose something, we go, no, I want it. I want it. Mm. <laughs> That's attachment. And attachment's natural and normal in marriage and for someone you love. I think probably I, I've become overtime and I might be missing my next talk. I am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, it's, it's been absolutely amazing. I, I, seriously. Yeah, you, 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 I had a, a list of questions all, all put out, but it was like, as you was talking, it was like, all right, that's TikTok. Okay, let, let's do it again. We'll do your questions, but I got to run right now, okay? No, I'm really abs- that's late for another interview. All good. Thank all you right. very much, John. Greatly appreciated. Really enjoy talking to you. Thank you. It's been a blessing. You take care, sir. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome but some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.